0: Two pitches, swinging a miss. Knock him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions
1: of Baseball.
0: Wednesday, December 20th, 2017, welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, no Carson Wentz, no problem, as Nick Foles throws four TDs against the Giants, and the Eagles move to 12-2. and two.
2: Yeah, well, I wouldn't say no problem, though, Bill. I mean, they got the W, but there were some issues, and I'm sure we're going to get into that in the next few minutes.
0: Well, it is, and, uh, you know, it's always great when we can get a real insider on the show, and we've got one tonight dot Philly.com, pro football writer and columnist and Hall of Fame voter, Paul Domowich. I'm excited to get his take on the 12-2 and two Birds and the Hall of Fame.
2: Yeah, me as well. We'll see what Domowich thinks about the Birds' postseason prospects and, later, the Hall of Fame prospects for B-Doc and others.
0: Well, let's get with it. Let's welcome, for the first time, to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, Paul. Welcome.
1: Thanks for having me, guys.
2: Hey, Paul, this is Chet. Thanks a bunch for joining us. Hey, you describe yourself in your Twitter profile as a longtime curmudgeon, but with the Eagles at 12 and 2, I'm hoping you're not too surly tonight. (laughs) No, they're playing,
1: uh, they're playing, they're having a pretty good season.
2: Yeah, Paul, this being Philadelphia, there seems to be more focus on the subpar play of the Eagles defense in recent weeks, rather than what the offense was able to do Sunday, even with the change in quarterbacks, missed tackles, some poor coverage penalties. What has happened to the D the past three games?
1: Well, you know, they're, they're, they're just, they're not, they're not as sharp on third down, uh, which was, you know, one of the keys early on they were, they gave up, they're starting to give up points early, which, you know this whole 12 and 2 record's been built on fast starts. Uh, you know they've been jumping out to leads, forcing uh, forcing opposing teams to to kind of change their game plan and play catch up. And uh, the last three games, the defense has kind of put a you know a, 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 a has caused problems with that because they've been giving up points early. So uh, you know they're not they're not getting off the field, which has been a problem uh missed tackles by the secondary they gave up some deep balls against uh, the giants i mean things they weren't doing early on um you know jim schwartz hopes it's just temporary uh you know he he thinks they they you know i mean ronald darby did not play well on sunday and and he's their best cornerback so i mean he's got to get better um You know, I don't think it's quite as uh, dire as maybe it looked against the Giants. The problem is the Giants were a 2-11 team, so you kind of magnify everything when you can't stop a team that uh, had been struggling like they had all season. But, uh, you know, the problem is they're not playing uh, many good offenses uh, in the next two weeks, Uh, although Dallas will have – uh, Zeke back for, for that last game, but the Eagles will probably have clinched the home field advantage by that point and, and won't be playing their starters. So they're going to go into the playoffs with a lot of questions. So we'll see what happens. I mean, right now, you know, I mean, right now they're 12 and two and,
0: and life is good. Yes, it is. Well, Paul, on the defense, uh, regarding the Giants game plan, do, you know, do you think they set up a little, um, something for the other teams to look at where they were getting that ball out quick, kind of neutralizing the pass rush, uh, hitting those little short five, seven-yard uh, uh, seams. Uh, but then as the game went on, they ended up uh, incomplete one time, getting seven, and then ended up third and three, and then the Eagles would hold them, and then they would be fourth and three and have to punt. So do, do you think that's a uh, something for them to look for in the future from other opponents?
1: Well, yeah, I mean it you know it was a when 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 their defense uh kind of went south last year, <coughs> excuse me it was the same kind of situation. They went up against some quarterbacks that started to get the ball out quickly, uh throwing quick slants, and uh, they were you know that, that started to be their their downfall during a five game period last year when it kind of all fell apart this year. You know, after Ronald Darby went out in Week One with the ankle injury and missed, I uh, believe, eight games, they went to a lot of off coverage uh, and were, were given the short pass. But they were the key. To, the key to stopping that is you tackle well. You limit the yards after the catch, and they were doing that. What's happened in the last couple of games is the tackling hasn't been as sharp, uh, or in the case against the Giants, they were starting to after getting uh, bitten early by those, those short slants, they came up and started playing a little tighter and then got beat on double moves uh, for deep balls. So, you know, they got to straighten those things out, uh, you know, before uh, or they're going to be in trouble when they get to the playoffs.
2: Let's talk about Nick Foles, Paul. Were you at all surprised mm-hmm. at how well he played in relief of Carson Wentz against the Rams and then for the full game against the Giants?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say surprised. I mean, I was around for 2013 uh, and, and he's been a a studious backup. I mean, he's, he's, he hasn't taken his job lightly as, as Carson's backup. I mean, he's studied his receivers and watched their routes and uh, obviously knew the offense very well. Uh, you know, the Giants defense is not very good. They didn't get pressure on them. Uh, their secondary isn't very good. Uh, so, I mean, what impressed me the most about him uh, on Sunday was the fact that he didn't throw any interceptions. I mean, that's going to be a key. Uh, it was a key for him in 2013. You know, a year later when he played eight games before getting hurt in 2014, he was a little bit more careless. Uh, but he's got to keep the turnovers down. I mean, that's that's going to be the key here for him going forward if if they're going to be successful with him at quarterback
2: staying on the uh, offensive side. I know Jay Ajayi has been getting more snaps of late, but what is your take on the decision to use three or sometimes even four running backs every game? I know they're 12 and two, but is that the best approach? Well, I mean, Blunt
1: is kind of being, I'm not going to say phased out. I mean, he's, I think he had uh, 15 snap. He played 15 snaps on Sunday. Clearly Ajayi is getting about half the snaps right now at, at running back. Uh, until they can really trust him, though, as a receiver, uh, and he did have a, you know, he had a big screen uh, play that that went for I think 32 yards on Sunday, so that was a, a good sign. But, you know, I mean, Clement and uh, Kenyon borner kind of, I mean, they bring something to the offense with regard to third down, you know, the passing game. You could put them out wide, you know, they tried doing that with Ajay on, uh, on Sunday, but it's not. I mean, it's not what he does. Uh, So, you know, I think the only guy that's going to suffer here is Blunt. I mean, he's he's pretty much does what Ajayi does. That's why they brought Ajayi in, because once they lost Jason Peters, the holes kind of started closing a little bit. They needed somebody with a little bit more explosion. uh, And that's, you know, Blunt's 31 years old right now and doesn't have much explosion left. He's still a, a big, powerful back, but he doesn't get through that hole. Uh, like he did six, seven years ago. So, uh, you know, he's the, he's the guy that's going to suffer here, but they're still going to use Clement a lot. Barner's, I mean, you know, Barner, except for last week, has basically just been a guy that's been playing three, four snaps a game. So uh, I think what you're going to see here for the most part going forward is the and uh, and Clement getting most of the
0: snaps. Well, Paul, I might have been the odd man in this group when uh... – when when Carson went out, obviously that was a big blow, but I felt pretty comfortable with Nick Foles, but I didn't feel very comfortable with the left side of that offensive line. And uh, Wormack played well this week. Uh, I don't know what that does, if there's a competition now with him and Wiz or not, but uh, can uh, Big V hold the fort down at that left tackle and get through the playoffs? Are we, are we going to be good enough there?
1: Good question, I, and I don't know the answer to that. I, I You know, I mean, he gave up an early sack. Uh, to Olivier Vernon on Sunday. After that, he kind of tightened up. Again, the Giants aren't a very good pass rush team. Uh, Sunday, we might see Mac line up over him a little bit more than he lines up over Lane Johnson. They move him around, so we'll get a better idea there. I, you know, I mean, that's one of those things that, you know, they're going to go into the playoffs not really having a good feel for that because they, you know, both the Cowboys and the Raiders, you know, neither one of them are great pass rush teams other than the fact that the Raiders have Khalil Mack, but they have little else. So, uh, you know, they go up against a team like the Vikings or somebody like that in the playoffs. You know, then we're going to find out the hard way whether, uh, you know, Vitae can handle left tackle. Uh, you know, Wormack, he did, you know, he did fine this week as uh, soon as Wiz is ready to come back, which may not be until the playoffs. I mean, he's got a high ankle sprain. If I'm them, I mean, I would keep him out until then. I mean, a high ankle sprain, depending on the severity, can sometimes be a six-week injury. Uh, I don't think it's that serious with Wiz, but if I'm them, I want him completely healthy for the playoffs. They've got a bye. So, uh, you know, I think they can beat the Raiders, certainly, who are coming cross-country for a Christmas night game they want no part of. Uh, you know, I would keep Wiz out for the, for the remainder of the regular season.
2: So if Minnesota loses in Green Bay on Saturday, which is unlikely, I know, but uh, or if the Eagles beat the Raiders Christmas night, which I think will happen, the Birds will lock up mm-hmm. the number one seed. Will that mean we'll get to see Nate Sudfeld and lots of other backups on New Year's Eve against those Cowboys?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, they they, they want to get Sudfeld some work uh, if because of, uh, if something does happen to uh, Nick in the playoffs, you know, Sudfeld's uh, – the guy they would have to turn to they you know, they, they like him, uh, but they, you know, they'd like to get him some actual snaps and, you know, it's a golden opportunity for it, for that. I think we'll see a lot of guys, a lot of backups in that, uh, Dallas game.
2: Looking ahead to the playoffs, which NFC team would present the toughest matchup for the Eagles at the link?
1: You know what? I, I mean, I, Minnesota scares me. Uh, I know a lot of other people look at them and say, well, you know, case Keenum really, uh, but he's you know, hmm. that defense is so good and Keenum's you know, Keenum's playing surprisingly well and he's got a good running game. He's got a solid offensive line in front of him that, that they put together this year. I mean and plus they've got the motivation of you know, if they if they win the NFC they're 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 playing a, a home game in the Super Bowl. So um, you know, that's the team that scares me the most out of the, you know, out of the the rest. I mean Carolina is very good, but you know, they've beaten Carolina. Uh, and, and Cam Newton, I, I don't think, uh, you know, I mean, I think they can shut him down. The Saints have a lot of things uh, that scare me offensively, but but their defense isn't very good. And Atlanta's hit and miss. So, I mean, I would say Minnesota's the team to watch in the playoffs.
0: Back on the quarterback situation, just a second. You know, Howie, Howie and his crew uh, – tweaked a bunch of things here a few weeks ago when they got a Ajayi and some others, and uh, mm-hmm. are you surprised that they haven't gone out and gotten a quarterback, that they're sitting here if, if Foles were to go down in the middle of a playoff game and have a guy that hasn't ever taken a snap in the National Football League, or is there just nobody out there really that they think can come in and get this thing done?
1: Well, you know, we talked to to Doug about that, and You know, there's a couple of things. One, they like Sudfeld. Uh, They've developed him. You know, he's been with them since August. Uh, They like his arm. They like his mobility. Uh, You know, the other thing is, you know, you bring in somebody, no matter who it is. I mean, let's just use Kaepernick for an example. Who teaches them the offense? They really, you know, they they really don't have time right now to have their quarterbacks, coach, or, or Reich spend much time with a new guy trying to get him acclimated to an offense because the time they would spend with him is time taken away from Nick Foles or, you know, well, Nick Foles, because you, if you brought back another guy in, you would assume he'd be eventually the backup for the playoffs. So, uh, I mean, they just like their chances better with Sudfeld than they do with bringing somebody in this late in the game and uh, trying to get him ready for the playoffs.
3: Yeah,
2: makes sense. Paul, the Eagles hope they won't be sending anyone to the actual Pro Bowl game the last weekend of January. You know why. But uh, they did have six Mm -hmm. guys named to the Pro Bowl, including four first-timers and two returnees, Wentz, Ertz, Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, Malcolm Jenkins, and Fletcher Cox. Now, that's great, of course, but did a couple of birds get snubbed? Well,
1: I mean, the two that that jump out are obviously Jason Kelsey and uh, Brandon Graham. You know, I mean, Jason has had a terrific season. Uh, but then, you know, and, and, and I, I I mean, he's played, he's had a Pro Bowl season. The problem is, look at the two guys that made the Pro Bowl for the NFC. Uh, Travis Frederick, who probably is the best center in, in, in football, and Alex Mack from the Falcons, who may be the second best center in football, or, or 1A. Uh, so it's hard to argue with those guys. Uh, and with Graham, I mean, you know, the problem with, with edge rushers is everybody looks at the numbers, and he doesn't have, well, he's got a lot of pressures and is among the league leaders in pressures, his sack number kind of pales in comparison to a lot of other guys. So it didn't surprise me that he didn't make it. Uh, you know, I mean, these guys don't, I'll be honest with you. These guys don't spend a lot of time filling out that ballot, uh, which is sad, but um, you know, I mean, cause you, you would think players would, would, would be studious about this thing, but they're, they're not, they, they do it in about two minutes. They don't, they don't look and say, Hey, you know, Brandon Graham really is, plays the the run well and sets the edge and, and, and has done a terrific job. I mean, they just look at a number and say, you know, this guy belongs in or or they look at reputation and say, this guy got in last year. So I'm voting for him again. So it's kind of, it's a shame, but that's basically
0: how this thing is decided. Well, Paul shifting gears a little bit on you to the hall of fame, which you are a voter. Um, how in the world do you look at this and make sense out of this list of really good players and and whittle it down and and how does this how does the process actually take place in the room before the final votes are made? Yeah, it's I mean it's tough.
1: You, you look at that list and I mean uh, we'll find out who the final fifteen are uh, and probably all fifteen you could look at and, and we'll, be able, we'll be we'll say that they probably deserve to be in, which is the problem we have every year. Uh, we start with about 100-plus 100 100 names, uh, have a vote in October, get it down to 25. That's a, a vote by mail or email. Uh, and then we just had another vote. Uh, the votes were due, I believe, December 15th. Uh, the, from 25, we picked 15, and we'll find out shortly, I guess, at the end of the month, who the, you know, the 15 modern era candidates are. Then we all show up at uh, Minneapolis on Super Bowl Saturday, and spend about eight hours in a room uh, discussing the, the fifteen candidates, plus the you know the contributor uh, nominee and the and the veteran committee nominee, and kind of we 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 have a vote eventually to whittle down those fifteen names to ten, and then we have we discuss some more and then whittle it down, have another secret vote that gets it down to. Uh, to, to five names, and, and generally, for the most part, uh, it's been a while since five didn't make it. So, uh, you know, I, once you get down to five, those five usually get in. You know, last year, Doc survived the first vote. He got down from 15 to 10. He was one of the final 10 and then didn't make it to the final five. Uh, you know, as I've said uh, a few times on in other interviews, uh, I think the fact that John Lynch also was one of the final 10, kind of hurt them. Uh, they split the vote, even though, you know, I mean, I, I tried my best to convince people there's really no comparison between the two of them. I mean, Brian Dawkins was a difference maker. I mean, J- Jim Johnson built a defense around him. Uh, you know, John Lynch was a great safety, but he was a cover two safety who basically, you know, I mean, the role in, in a cover two for, for him is not anything close to what Brian had to do. In Jim Johnson's defense. So, but, you know, as it turned out, they split the vote. A lot of guys that I never expected to get in last year got in. Uh, you know, the kicker, uh, Morton Anderson, Terrell Davis, who had really only played four years, a couple of other guys. I mean, I thought it was the perfect storm for Doc last year. This year, I don't, I, I honestly, you know, I, I'm sure he's going to make the final 15. Um, but after that, you know, there's 48 voters. And, you know, we've got Randy Moss this year. We've got uh, uh, Ray Lewis. We've got Brian Urlacher to consider. I don't know how that's going to impact on anybody else. Uh, I hope it doesn't. I hope they realize that we're, we're talking about a special player in, in, in Doc. Um, you know, we're going to have a, the argument again about uh, T.O. Um, so it's going to be an interesting uh, eight hours or whatever we spend in the room.
2: It sure is. we'll be watching that situation closely. Paul, we're uh, done with you in about 30 seconds, unfortunately. The time flew by as I knew it would. Uh, just one quick question, speaking of Hall of Famers. Is Jason Peters a Hall of Fame lock, and what about Darren Sproles? Jason, absolutely. I
1: would expect him to get in, like, the first year, maybe the second. But, I, I mean, he, he, you know, you talk to Howard Mudd, he'll tell you he's right there with uh, Walter Jones and uh, some other first uh, ballot Hall of Famers. Darren might be a little bit of a harder sell.
0: Um, I don't know if he would get in. All right. All right. I do have to ask you one quick question on the way out. Mm-hmm. Paul, do, uh, do you get to vote for my man Jerry Kramer in the, uh, in the old-timers vote?
1: I do. Well, I didn't nominate him. I'm not on the Veterans Committee that nominated him, but he'll certainly uh, generally – Whoever the veterans committee nominates, we have enough respect for the committee that uh, you know we kind of rubber stamped that. I, I can't recall a, a veteran nominee that didn't make it, so I would assume Jerry would
0: will get in. Well, I'm sure hoping. I'm a I'm a huge fan, so I'm I'm trying I'm trying to tweak you a little bit here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all Thankful. right, Paul. Well, hey, we certainly appreciate you joining us. It went by as Chet said, way too fast, and uh, maybe we could do it again and go birds.
1: Anytime, guys.
0: Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you.
2: And, Bill, let's take a break right now and allow me to tell you about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. Always a fun time at the Irish Rover. Great dinners, steak, chicken, ribs, seven or eight varieties of burgers, awesome sandwiches and wraps, not to mention superb gourmet wings. This Saturday night, the band Rougarou is at the Irish Rover. And on Wednesday nights, trivia is back. Always something fun going on at the Rover. By the way, they will be closing at 6 p.m. on Christmas Eve, that is this Sunday. The Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com.
0: Well, I tell you, that's a uh, that's a little different Fred and Butter time music than we're used to, Chet. But we're going to take it as we <laughs> welcome Fred Hugo back in, and uh, Fred, welcome.
4: Hey guys, rough, rough week, rough week. I uh, I'm out of the fantasy <laughs> playoffs. I had Antonio Brown, Uh-oh. and I didn't didn't do too well in the picks either. Well, what you did not. The we'll good get to news that.
0: is you were at MetLife Stadium on Sunday when the Eagles fans took
4: over. How was that? It was one of the greatest experiences I've ever ever had, you know. I never been up to there. It was my first time. It was 50% Eagles fans and I just <clears throat> happened to be in a section with more Giants than Eagles fans. So, and of course I embraced that. If you see the the video on my Fred and Butter <laughs> Facebook page, you'll you'll see that. But it was fun because we were we were down, of course, 20 to 7 and and when the when the, we came all the way back, I kind of turned around and looked at them as they were quiet. I'm like Come on, guys! You're used to this. Don't don't be acting surprised. This always happens up here. <laughs> they didn't like that at all. <laughs> so,
0: gr- great time. Good deal. Well so I'm sure. Uh, now we're we're twelve and two. We did get behind in that game. What did you? Uh, what was your thinking? Nick Foles was playing well. The offense was playing well. The, the defense certainly was struggling, and uh, took some special team plays to to bring that thing back. What, you know, what what was your thoughts on it?
4: Well, you're, you're thinking you're not out of it because you know how bad the Giants are. You know, they stink defensively. And the whole time, I I really didn't expect I expected the Eagles to come back. I just didn't expect I kind of expect them to come back and just run away with it. I didn't expect the Giants to kind of keep it close there till the end. Eli throwing for 500-plus yards was was kind of a shock to me. Um, and they were just dinking and dunking. And the tackling was poor. It was just a a bad defensive effort, you know, in the, the third road game. But, I mean, I, I wasn't overly concerned. I, I thought they would come back. I just – you were just kind of scared, especially all the crap you were talking during the game. I'll tell you, when they were down on the goal line there, it, I, I was bundled up ready to run out of there if they threw a touchdown pass. I'll tell you that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, one one of the things uh, I was a little surprised about with a defense friend, and we mentioned this with Paul, you know, there, there was a lot of dink and don't get the ball out quick kind of things. But Mills Mills got taken advantage of in the first half. And, uh, you, you know, you couldn't see this on the TV, obviously, whether they were helping him in the second half but the Giants didn't go back that way. They went after Darby in the second half. Um, so I, I was a little confused by that. Of course, on the TV, you can't get a good enough view to, to really check that out.
4: Yeah, as far as it looked to me, they were just taking what the defense was giving them wherever they had. It just happened to be Darby in, in those situations. It, it, honestly, you, you could probably point to some plays where Eli even missed people that were open more downfield that he was just going with – Whatever he had, get the ball out quick so that that pass rush uh, couldn't get to him is what it seemed like. It seemed like the game plan was don't let the Eagles sack me. Let me just get the ball out quick no matter who it's to. And the yeah, missed tackles absolutely. here and there didn't help either. <laughs> right, absolutely. And they, and
0: they took advantage of some of them uh, pump and goes early in the game because that's how they had set the game plan up. Yeah, absolutely right. Wayne, exactly. Wayne before we uh, – we get to our picks because we know you're busy tonight and have an appointment. So let's get before we get to our picks. Let's talk about last week, uh, Mr. Chesko. What were the results?
2: Interesting developments. As Fred took a tumble, he alluded to that. He went just two and three on the weekend. You, Bill, did just fine, going four and one. But the big news, yours truly, went yes, a perfect five and zero. Oh. Hey, I'm as shocked as no you way. guys about that. It's, the blind no squirrel thing, I know. Yeah, five and zero, oh, pal. I was uh, fifteen and one for the entire week in the the pick'em league. So there, whatever. Anyway, uh, with just two weeks remaining, it is still Bill in the top spot at thirty-four and seventeen. I am now in second at thirty-two and 19, two games back. And Fred, who had been just one game out, is now three back at thirty-one and twenty. Very
0: interesting. Ooh, look at that. All right, well, hey, let's get to it. Uh, we got something to pick this week. We have the stinking Giants. I mentioned they stink. They're at Arizona. Arizona minus three and a half,
4: Fred. Uh, on the road, they uh, they lost a tough one to the Eagles there. Yeah, they're it's a small spread, but I'm, I'm going to take Arizona there. Uh, I'm going to go Cardinals.
2: You know what? Um, the Giants do stink, I agree. But they played well against the Eagles. They showed some heart. And I just have a hunch in this one the Giants will upset the Cardinals.
0: Yes, I'm taking the Giants. You know what? I I can't even believe that you did that because I'm taking the Giants. I think they're going to come out and play halfway decent. They still stink, but I'm not uh, not thinking Arizona has anything to offer anybody. So I was going to take the Giants as well. Nice. All right, we have Seattle is at Dallas. Dallas minus five uh, with Elliott back.
4: Return of Zeke. Seattle with a blowout loss last week. I think um, the Cowboys win this one. I, um, I don't want to pick them. I would hope that Seattle could rebound, but I, I don't see it. I think they're going to – Dallas will run the football – and focus on Zeke, and and, and um, Dak will have a fairly good game now that he has his uh, running back back. So I'm going to take the Cowboys here.
0: Ooh,
2: a must win for both of these eight and six teams. I have no idea how it's going to go. But you know what? Just for the fun of it, I am going to take the Seahawks to pull this one out down in Big D.
0: Well, I certainly want to see the Seahawks win this game, and I had uh, there was no doubt in my mind Seattle was going to go to Dallas and win this game until they – Fell behind thirty four nothing at halftime last week and uh I'm just wondering if this team has quit. Um uh, so I'm gonna go Dallas. Um I sure hope not, but I'm going Cowboys. Okay. All right. Throw in game. Atlanta at New Orleans, Saints minus five and a half. Saints at home.
4: Um yeah, I, th- I think the Saints take this one. I'm going to go with the Saints. The five-and-a-half spread at home is surprising to me. I would think it would be closer than that. And um, they they just got by Tampa by three points. Their offense looks so good. Looks okay. I mean, they're still moving the ball, but with Starkeesian, they're not moving it the way they did last year. I just uh, I think the, uh, the Saints are going to take this one, so I'm going to go Saints.
2: Me too. New Orleans Saints, that's it. That's all I got to say, Saints.
0: Me too. Saints at home. All right, that brings us to the Raiders. Come to Lincoln Financial Field to face – Hang on, Bill, and- hang on,
2: hang on, oh. hang. Bill, one more game. Denver at Washington, we got to do. Denver at Washington, minus three and a half, the Skins.
0: Denver at Washington. Did I miss that? I guess I did. i was sleepwalking.
4: Denver at Washington. Go ahead, Fred. Denver at Washington. Um, I'm going to go with uh, the Redskins. I just got a feeling they're going to take a W here. I'm going to go Redskins.
2: Me too. Taking the home team. Two disappointing teams. What the heck? Redskins.
4: Me too. Redskins
0: only because they're at home. Denver stinks too. All right. All right, let's go. Lincoln Financial Field, Christmas night, Monday night football. Raiders, Eagles, Birds minus nine.
4: Minus nine with Nick Foles. The Raiders are not good. Um, Even if the Eagles play poorly again this week, I still think they beat the Raiders. I'm going to take the Eagles.
2: Yeah, not only do I think the Eagles will beat the Raiders, I think it's going to be a statement game for the defense, especially after the criticism they've heard of late. The offense and defense get it done in this one. Eagles, 37-20. to 37-20, wow.
0: Well, I'm going to go Eagles certainly to win, but I'm not sure about this minus nine. That seems like a lot of points to me. I'm going to take the Eagles, uh, but I'm going to go 27-21. Uh, not we'll sure why w. exactly, but... But that that's a that's a lot of points, nine points. All right. Well, Fred, we know that you uh you gotta go coach a basketball team actually right now. So we'll talk to you next week and uh good luck coaching that
4: squad. All right, go uh L. Bulldogs. I'll see you next week. <laughs> hey, oh, all right.
0: Sounds sounds good, Fred. Hey Chet, I wanted to take a minute, uh, before we get on to our next segment and Thank everyone that's visited our website, phillypressrocksradio.com, over the last 14 months it, that it's been up and running. We've had nearly 24,000 visits to the site. And for those not familiar, you can listen to all of our shows through the site. Uh, we keep it updated daily with current sports articles and some that we write. We post videos of our interviews with our guests as well. Uh, you can click on all of our sponsor links to go to their websites. And uh, that's just on the cover page. We have a links page to many of our guest sites and even a fun photo page uh, with Mr. Selfie Jim Chesko on there quite a bit. (laughs) Uh, Of us and many Philly sports celebrities, but none any more than Mr. Chesko. So thanks again to all that uh, have visited and to those that haven't. It's phillypressboxradio.com.
2: Yeah, in addition to the articles and our smiling faces, you can also find scores from the prior night's games involving the Philly teams, pro and college, and upcoming games, and various other cool stuff, too. So, yes, please, check it out,
0: phillypressboxradio.com. Well, uh, Chet, as you know, what, when New Year's brings, besides a fun night out and some good football, it's resolution time. And what's always everyone's number one resolution exercise get in shape and lose weight they all lump all that together you ever heard that before
2: yeah oh for sure and probably 90 percent of folks who make those resolutions end up bailing on them even before the super bowl a month later we've all been guilty of it myself included
0: yeah well you got to be careful going to the gym that first week because when you do you're able to get run over and the second week, there's plenty of time. But, hey, you had an opportunity to sit down with an expert in the field and also from com, Ashley Greenblatt, to get some insight and tips on how to make this all happen.
2: Yes, indeed. I look at Ashley's columns every Sunday in the Philly Inquirer, and you know what? They almost inspire me to get fit again, almost. That's my problem. That's not on her. But I thought, hey, she would be great to talk to, especially heading into a new year. So I reached out to Ashley, and she was happy to talk to me, and here is our conversation. Something a little different for you now on Philly Press Box Radio as we welcome a personal trainer who also does a weekly column for Philly.com's health section, Ashley Blake Greenblatt. Hey, Ashley.
3: Hey, Seth. Thanks for having me today.
2: My pleasure. All right, Ash, as we wind down the calendar year and move into 2018, we'll see lots of ads for exercise equipment and gym memberships, and lots of folks will vow to start working out again or to diet. What is the success rate for these people trying to turn over a new fitness leaf as the calendar changes?
3: Oh, gee, so it is that time of year. You'll see January in the gyms are totally, it's like mayhem. Every machine will be taken, everybody's rip-roared and ready to go, and then I would say by February 1st. (laughs) You'll already start to see those numbers decline.
2: I got you. For people who do want to seriously begin exercising, is it necessary to check with your doctor before beginning a new exercise regimen?
3: I always recommend checking with your physician just to make sure you don't have anything underlying that could come out when you you get your heart pumping, things that can maybe be a little clogged up or sore or rusty. I think it's always a good idea to get checked out before you start any kind of new routine.
2: Hey, as everyone who experiences it will tell you, and this may or may not include me, getting older seems to bring more frequent aches and pains. Can some of that be helped <laughs> can some of that be helped by regular old stretching?
3: So stretching's great. There's two different kinds, not to get too technical, but there's a dynamic and then there's a static stretch. So I don't know if you recall, for me growing up it was always static stretching where you're holding your leg behind, like touching your backside there kind of holding for a while or touching your toes. That's the kind of stretching you actually want to refrain from doing as you get older or even younger muscles because it kind of tends to pull out the lower back, be a little too intense on the muscles. So stretching in a dynamic form where you're kind of like mimicking what you would do in your actual exercise routine is the best kind of stretching to do no matter what your age.
2: On a related note, now that you mentioned that, I think a few months ago you wrote a column about exercises that some older folks should avoid. Is that right?
3: Yes. Exactly. That could be anything from well, starting with just getting your physical exam. That's really important because you just don't want to come out of the gate as excited as you may be and hurt anything because that's a good way to sideline yourself for a while there. I feel like the certain exercises you want to avoid with knees tend to be something that a lot of people are not friendly to or nice to. You want to avoid that one exercise where you're in the machine and you're extending your leg forward. puts a lot of unnecessary stress on your joints there. I would say just easing into it. Things that mimic your everyday exercise routines or your everyday activities, rather, are the best type of exercises. Mm-hmm. Walking, elliptical, swimming, uh, rowing machines are an all-star piece of equipment to stick with.
2: You wrote a column last month cautioning us not to be overwhelmed by exercise options. And one thing <laughs> you recommended, start sweating. Cardio is king, right?
3: Yes, cardio is king. I know a lot of people don't like this sound. It's it's a nice jingle. I don't know if it gets anybody moving, but cardio is so essential. You want to make sure that you're exercising cardio-type exercise five times a week. So that could just be walking 20 to 30 minutes a day. And if you're able to increase the rate in which you're uh, exerting yourself for more intense exercise, you're going to want to do that at least two times a week to really expand your lungs and work your heart muscles.
2: Are good old-fashioned push-ups still a basic exercise that would be beneficial to a lot of people?
3: I love push-ups. I think that's one that everyone should wake up, kind of warm up a little bit, hit the ground, and then go for their push-ups. It works everything. You know, core is also king. That's something that's kind of like a buzzword lately, core exercises. It's such a fantastic form of exercise. It gets your heart rate up, and it really builds strength and stability, which is important as our uh, bones and muscles age.
2: You're a personal trainer, Ashley. How did you get started in this field? Was this something you decided to do while at college? I know you went to Rutgers.
3: Actually, I was a journalism and history major, oh. so I love writing, and I figured, let me find a little outlet where I could write, and I just I got in touch with the folks over at the Inquirer, and it's that old, you keep knocking on the door till someone answers, and mm-hmm. they were looking for a fitness writer, and it just worked out, so that kind of became the first step, and uh, I was certified prior to that just because I, I think it's really rewarding to be in an altruistic type line of work where you're helping people out. It doesn't feel like work, so I love it.
2: Awesome. Now, I know you are something yeah. of a sports fan. What is your level of fandom?
3: Oh, boy. So, you know, it's so hard to keep up with sports anymore. Thank goodness for the papers and everything. But I was a massive Flyers fan in the 90s. Lindros, LeClaire. Zubris for some reason I had this thing for Dinah Zubris when I was in high school I'm afraid to say he's retired since not to age myself here I just thought that was such a fun time for hockey you know the enforcers and I'm trying to think names like Casparitis are coming into my mind I want to say he was on the Sabres just love hockey always thought it was like a fun fast-paced sport and I also enjoy watching all the other teams in the city it's good to see the city have some teams that are really standing out this season
2: yeah, I'm not going to mention uh, too much about your rooting experience, but at least I can say your new hus- your new husband is an Eagles fan, so I guess he's pretty excited about what's going on with the birds these days.
3: Oh, my gosh, he's a devout fan. We, we don't even really talk when the game is on. So <laughs> with my last name changing, I, the only thing I say, I have green in that at least. Hopefully it keeps going in a good direction for the Eagles.
2: Hey, Ash, we often play a little game of Fast Five with our first-time guests particularly. Five questions, five brief answers, so you want to give it a shot?
3: Yeah, uh oh. I better get my sweatband out.
2: Here we go. Now <laughs> try to keep your answers to twenty seconds or so. Number one for Ashley Greenblatt. Sure. Can you get a sufficient workout without going to a gym?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. You could work out anywhere. It could be like you said, push ups. You roll out of bed, right onto the floor, thirty seconds of push ups. Done.
2: Nice. Number two, what is the role of nutrition in health management?
3: Nutrition's everything. I always say abs are made in the kitchen so you could work your butt off every day in the gym. But if you have a crummy diet, you're never going to outwork bad eating habits. So that's key.
2: Yep. Number three, true or false? Women have a higher risk of osteoporosis than men.
3: Uh, Very true. Yes. Women, we have it hard on all fronts. And that is another example. Bone density tends to decrease as we get older, which is why weight bearing exercises are so valuable to kind of build bones to be stronger and to prevent brittle bones from forming.
2: Number four, I saw you once advocated foam rolling as an exercise method. Explain what that is in 20 seconds or so.
3: Foam rolling is great. It's a nice way to kind of work knots out of the muscles and prevent tight, rigid muscles. Uh, it, it helps with range of motion, and it's also very important for circulation, which is something that doesn't really get spoken about too much with exercise. Foam rolling is an exceptional thing to do prior to your workout and post-workout.
2: Number five, you are a personal trainer, as I mentioned, Ashley. Who should consider using a personal trainer to help them?
3: I would say someone that has a hard time adhering to a program, someone that needs to be held accountable. It's like having a date. You're more likely to not show up if you have it just with yourself. If you know someone's waiting for you, you're less likely to cancel.
2: Awesome. Hey, tell everyone Mm -hmm. again, Ashley, where listeners can find you in the newspaper, online, and Twitter.
3: Certainly. So, I'm at philly.com under the health and science section. I believe it's under sports medicine or sports docs so that you could find me. It's usually on Wednesday, Thursdays. And then uh, the Sunday health and science section, I have a, a column there. And you could also check out ashleyblakefitness.com. And you could reach me at, ashleyblake at ashleyblakefitness.com.
2: And in closing, I should note that this is an exciting time for you, Ash. Not only is it your birthday week, happy birthday, but
3: you just got <laughs> married. You.
2: you just got married about a month ago. So, Yay. congratulations.
3: Thank you. It's how been a great like, month.
2: Yeah, how do you like this newlywed thing?
3: You know, I love it. Everybody's super nice to you. Between <laughs> that and birthdays, though, I think I could open, like, a, a, a Hallmark card shop. We have so many cards. food. I need my own workout routine. Too many uh, indulgences, but it's been great.
2: Well, this has been lots of fun. Ashley Blake Greenblatt, thanks for visiting Philly Pressbox Radio.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, hey Chad, are you motivated from Ashley? Does she uh, she got you wanting to do something that you might think you need to do?
2: I'm pumped up, man. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to lose these extra ten or twelve pounds that I accumulated over the last year, and uh, I'm going to be fit again for swimming season next year.
0: How's that? Well, I I too, because I'll tell you what. I'm going to I'm going to go uh, full confess here. Me and a buddy had a bet, and it was a one year bet on who could lose the most weight. In a year, and uh, I did not even give it a good shot, which I'm disappointed in. And uh, I, I lost about three pounds, and he lost 17. The last I knew, uh, <laughs> as of December 1st. So uh, he definitely uh, whooped me on that, and uh, I'm not I'm not real happy about that. But there's certainly no one's fault but my own.
2: Yeah, I ended 2016 at an all-time high in terms of weight, and I lost about 10 pounds by the summer just, you know, by running around and being myself. But uh, with the holidays and everything and being kind of lazy over the fall, I'm back up to where I ended 2016 at an all-time high once again. So it's time to get serious because, you know, as you get older, it gets a little tougher to shed those pounds.
0: Absolutely does. and uh, But, you know what, we're going to be uh... – we will keep each other accountable. How's that, Chad? And uh we won't Sounds we good. won't be with those guys that aren't back at the gym or wherever uh February first that we'll fold up thirty days after we start.
2: Yeah, and you know, as you get older too you get more aches and pains. I have a little lower back pain now for the past week. The knee bothers you once in a while, it's no fun, but <laughs> hey you gotta do what you gotta do to make it better.
0: Well my my problem is I gotta stay out of my truck long enough from driving all over the place and uh if if I could lose pounds by windshield time, I would be down to nothing. <laughs> yeah, it
2: doesn't work that way. Does not work that way. No, unfortunately. it doesn't.
0: But hey, great great to have Ashley. Uh, really really nice visit and uh, good stuff. And don't forget, I think anybody that's listening to this that thinks they want to uh, wants to get something going, see the doctor. It, it is really important to. Uh, I can certainly speak for it myself. You need to know what condition you're in before you you get that going
2: absolutely and be sure to check out ashley's stuff as i said she's in the sunday inquirer in the health and science section and she posts the stuff online as well midweek usually on wednesday or thursday on philly.com and she posts it on her facebook site as well she also has a website so check her out ashley blake greenblatt
0: very good wait chet moving on uh have the Sixers been figured out, and, and i got to ask you this because I know this is a subject that uh, you and I don't agree on very well, but uh, Joel Embiid sits and they lose. Now instead of sitting out one end of the back-to-back, now they sit in both ends and they're losing both games, uh, the last four that that's happened, and, uh two of these teams they should have beat.
2: I can't disagree on that front, Bill. I mean, they were four or five games over 500 not too long ago, maybe four weeks ago. Now all of a sudden they're 14 and 16. Uh, Too many turnovers, sloppy play, some Swiss cheese defense at times, an inability to hold second-half leads once again. That was an old bugaboo from the past years. Ben Simmons being unwilling to shoot from beyond 12 feet. In fact, in uh, Tuesday night's game, just unwilling to shoot in general. He only took six shots from the floor. That was without Embiid in the lineup. That just doesn't cut it. I mean, Simmons is good, but he's got to shoot the ball a little more and work on that outside shot. And then there's Embiid. We all thought for sure he would be in the lineup Tuesday night after sitting out Monday due to that load management thing, but back stiffness prevented it. They're clearly not the same team when JoJo's not in there. In fact, they're 1-6 and when he isn't in the lineup. They need him. Let's hope he's back in there soon. But I heard today it might not happen the rest of this week. He might not be back till Christmas Day when they play the Knicks or maybe even later next week. So that would not be good. And you know what? i got to put some of the blame on Brett Brown. He's got to do more to figure out how to get these guys to clamp down when they have leads, improve their shot selection too. He's not without blame. Before you ask, though, I am not changing my prediction. I told you at the beginning of the year they would probably have some ups and downs before, you know, Christmas. And I said maybe 13 and 20 or whatever through 33 games. Well, right now they're actually 14 and 16, so they're a little better than what I thought they would be. But I still think they are going to end with 43 wins and a fifth seed. So there.
0: Well, I'm going to uh, – I'm a little surprised on well, the Ben Simmons thing. I mean, he he looks like a different player. He came out on fire, and uh, I don't know. It almost looks like his whole entire approach to the game has changed, which I I really don't understand. And the fact that Robert Covington couldn't throw the ball in the ocean on some nights but continues to to throw the ball up there, I think he was 5-for-19 last night, a little surprising.
2: Yeah, Roko's struggling big time of late. He, as you said, he just can't hit a shot right now. And Simmons has just gotten too tentative lately, too timid. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but he's got to, you know, get a little more involved. He's, you know, he's still great as far as passing and getting assists, even you know, double double rebounds and points. But he's got to be a little more aggressive and willing to take shots, either from you know, five feet, ten feet. Or try some of those 15-footers that he's just so afraid to take. And, by the way, as you may have seen, I got to say hello to Dario Sarich, Robert Covington, and T.J. McConnell over the weekend. And I mentioned to T.J. that I do have them as a fifth seed in the East, and I said, don't disappoint me. And he said, we'll do
0: our best. So
2: there you that, go. that was my conversation but, and, and,
0: you know, the other thing, the other thing on the Embiid deal, you know, obviously he, he's the one that makes them go. But, you know, he played – his heart out the other night in that triple overtime game, um, you know, score. I think he had 28 points in that game and a whole bunch of other things. Um, but then, if you if you're going to play that hard that night, and can't come back and play the next two or more. Um, it, this is troubling to me looking forward, especially if he if he's not back until Christmas.
2: Oh, it's very troubling. And, I mean, we all thought that he was just being rested on Monday because of the load management thing, but that he'd be back in the lineup Tuesday. Brett Brown said Monday night he fully expected Embiid to be in the lineup Tuesday night, but then Tuesday rolled around and Embiid was still stiff. Now, whether that was from, you know, playing 49 minutes last Friday night or that he's just not yet in the kind of shape that he needs to be in, it's an issue and they got to address that. Um, you know, if you don't play back to backs fine, but you can't be sitting out two, three, four games
0: in a row because he is needed. Absolutely. And and the Brett Brown comment, uh, I'm surprised you went there because you know, I've, I've been kind of saving that up. He, he hasn't shown me yet that he can be that guy that can take this thing to the next level. And, uh, we talked, I think, when we had Deed last time, and I made the comment about him getting a pass, and she kind of, she didn't like that word that he, you know, being used that he'd gotten a pass because of the talent he'd been given. Well, he's got a little more talent now, and um, yeah, Jory's still out to me.
2: Oh yeah, he's got a lot to prove. They better make the playoffs this year. Might not be 43 wins, but it's got to be, you know, at least 40. They got to at least get into the playoffs or. I think they got to consider making a move, and I'm surprised at myself saying that. But uh, he's got enough talent to be a playoff team in the East.
0: Well, and it all it all comes back to whether uh, JoJo is going to be able to go. If he if he starts missing more games in the second half of the season, uh, it, your 40 wins aren't going to happen. Yeah, you're probably right on that front. So, hey, uh, on to the next topic, Chad. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk some quick December Phillies baseball as they made a splash by trading Freddie Galvez last week to San Diego. They signed Carlos Santana. Pat Nishak is back, and Tommy Hunter, a pretty solid uh, reliever. Uh, Are you excited in December about Phillies baseball?
2: I'm not going to say excited, but certainly some interesting developments. The Carlos Santana signing in particular, three-year deal. He's almost certainly going to play first base, which means Reese Hoskins will pretty certainly be moved to left field on a semi-permanent basis, and that could mean the trade of one of the other outfielders. I guess Aaron Altair or Nick Williams would be the most likely candidates. The Galvis (laughs) trade was interesting on a couple of fronts in that they traded away a leader, and he was a team leader, and essentially they told us that they believe J.P. Crawford is ready to be the man at shortstop, so they're taking a gamble there. We shall see.
0: Yeah, and I saw uh what writer did I see on Twitter? Someone asked about that outfield situation and uh they let's see who did they say it would be uh Altier Herrera and uh Hoskins would be the would be the guys that would stay and everybody else would clear out out there. Okay, so
2: Nick Williams would will either be on the bench or traded.
0: Right, Nick would be the odd man out. That that was the early thought. Of course, Tommy Joseph has got to be out. You know, what are you going to do with him?
2: Yeah, I mean, unless they keep him around to be a you know part-time first baseman and pinch hitter, but I'm sure he'd love to play regularly somewhere.
0: Yeah, Tommy's still a young guy. He he he's certainly got some baseball left in him. I'm surprised. Uh, I'm I'm really surprised about the Santana signing. I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, you know, obviously we'll have to see where the long-term plan ends up with these guys, but uh, they spent an awful lot of money for a guy who, at this point in his career, didn't put up many numbers different than Tommy Joseph.
2: Yeah, but uh, he's very patient. A patient hitter, ninety-eight walks per year on average, I think, over the last five years. In addition to the twenty-plus home runs, so the guy's got some power. Not going to hit for average, probably you know two fifty something, but they would take that. And uh, the guy's got a great. Uh, beard also uh, nice uh, facial hair so he's interesting to look at <laughs> well, there
4: you go <laughs> there you go that's
0: hey,
2: something. And, uh,
4: you know
0: interesting uh, uh you know as baseball players move around you know uh, Giancarlo Stanton goes to the Yankees and today Evan Longoria got moved to the Giants um from the Rays. so that I mean there's big name guys are that are moving around that's uh kind of interesting as well yeah I didn't even see that news today about Longoria interesting hmm. Yeah, he's a good player. And they and they pretty much built that franchise around him and uh but they they've moved on and sending him to San Francisco. San Francisco is going to load up and be pretty good here again. Yeah,
2: yeah, they seem to go in cycles where they're, you know, really good for a few years, maybe have a bad year or two and then load up again.
0: Yep. Well, it's, you know, it's Christmas time. Before we know it, it's going to be spring training and in, uh in just a couple months and uh Baseball will be in the air again. We'll be talking a lot about it with the, a lot of these. Pitchers are still young, so there's there's still plenty of room for the Phils to, to get better.
2: Yeah, I'm looking forward to spring training and the start of the season to see what those young arms can do for us.
0: You betcha. Wait, Chet, we have one more show to finish out in 2017, so before I ask you who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week, I wanted to know if you realize that next week will be our 50th show of 52 weeks in 2017. Good job, partner.
2: Yeah, it was a busy year for sure. We took one week off, another week I think we aired a best of show. So there's just so much to talk about. We feel obligated to be here for you guys every week,
0: and we appreciate them being here for us and listening to us, keeping us going, and uh, supporting what we got going on. And uh, I, I I don't know who next week's guest is, so <laughs> do tell us all. I'll-
2: all right. I will tell you, we've done this right around the turn of the calendar year every year, I think, and it's always been fun. So we're going to do it again. We'll talk about the year in Philly sports and the outlook for the near future with one of our favorite guests, a legendary columnist at The Enquirer and Philly.com, Frank Fitzpatrick. But wait, there's more. Not only will Frank be on with us live, but we will also be joined live by a guy who will talk a little college football with us, the playoffs and the Penn State-Washington Fiesta Bowl battle specifically. He is the voice of Penn State football, the great Steve Jones, joining us live. So, Jonesy and Frank Fitzpatrick next week. How's that for a yeah, final show of the year?
0: Yeah, you got to like that. And Frank will uh, certainly have a couple comments about Penn State football as well. So, uh, hey, good stuff and uh, good two, two excellent guests. Looking forward to that. Thank you. All right. Hey, before we get to our parting shots, Chet, for tonight, uh, we want to take time and wish everyone a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. As we said, we'll be back uh, with you Christmas week to wish you a Happy New Year. So let's go with Merry Christmas and uh, the Christmas holidays.
2: Yeah, uh, thanks to all our sponsors, uh, the Irish Rover Station House for sticking with us, for Bob Sullivan at LikeYourAge.com, and as you said, for all the listeners, too, because uh, we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't think people were listening. But we do know we have people listening. They seem to enjoy it, so we're going to keep doing it. So we do say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all of you guys.
0: All right. Well, Mr. Chesko, I do not have a parting shot tonight, so I am going to turn it over to you. Well, I remembered today
2: that I did something like this two years ago, and I thought I'd revisit the topic. If you're a fan of Seinfeld, and that is one of my favorite all-time sitcoms, you know that December 23rd is Festivus, according to the sitcom, a holiday that includes feats of strength and airing of grievances. Well, as a Philadelphia sports fan, you know we have grievances here, and I have a list for uh, 2017 as the year winds down. Number one, with the exception of Aaron Nola, all of those young Phillies arms I was so excited about last spring were pretty much a letdown. Show me there's some legitimate talent there in 2018, please. Number two, the Flyers. Well, they're still on the outside looking in regarding the playoffs, and the decades-long search for a true number one goalie goes on and on and on. Yeah, that's a gripe still. Number three, Ben Simmons. You are a real talent, a potential triple-double most games but you're still afraid of taking a 15-foot jumper. Get to work on that, Ben. And speaking of the Sixers, Joel Embiid, you are great at tweeting. Pretty good player when you're out there, but how about doing a little more to get that body healthy so you can stay on the court? The Sixers need you, and I've guaranteed everyone a 43-win season. So make it happen. Happy Festivus and Merry Christmas, everyone.
0: Very good. Well, Chet, anything else while we have just about one minute uh, before we shut it down?
2: Oh, there was something I was going to ask you about, and what the heck was it? Um, I don't know. Kate Beckinsale. We're going to talk about Kate next week, because you asked me a question last week about Tom Petty and Kate Beckinsale. And I want to revisit that next week. I was hoping to do it this week, but I had a little snafu as far as the audio that I was going to use with it. So we'll get to that next week because that's very important to me. Tom Petty and Kate Beckinsale, two very important people in
0: my life. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we, we will shut it down. We've reached the top of the hour, so let's thank our special guest, Paul domowicz. Ashley Greenblatt, Fred Hugo, Irish Rover Station House, and Bob dot com for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chet Chesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, December 27th at 7 p.m. when Frank Fitzpatrick and Steve Jones join us. You can listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet, at www.blogtalkradio.com slash Radio or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and MixCloud. Merry Christmas from all of us at Philly Pressbox Radio and high hopes, Philadelphia sports fans.